our living hope. You know, friends, it's well documented that through a variety of surveys that people in general want to believe in a power that is greater than them. And in that pursuit, many will go down various paths in search of this power that is greater than them. The aim is for peace and joy and hope. And perhaps a bonus would be called eternal life. Many pursuits, many paths. So how does one come up to the place of believing, arrive at a foundation that they have chosen? How, how do they know that it's the real thing? Or can one really know that what they are placing their hope for today and perhaps for forever, how can they, is it possible that they can really know that they have found what their mind, but most importantly, what their inner person is looking for? Can they really know? On this Easter Sunday, 2020, when people literally on every continent are so desperate for hope. I'm privileged today to make a case for Jesus Christ being that source of living hope that every heart cries out for. To believe in Jesus is to believe that indeed he rose from the dead. If one doesn't believe that Christ rose from the dead, then how can they have confidence in anything that he said? Because he claimed that he would, in fact, arise from the dead in three days. Today, I'd like to share several things that point to us believing that Jesus did rise from the dead. First of all, the discrepancies. There are four accounts in the resurrection of Christ in the Gospels, and none of them line up the same. There's the discrepancy of who greeted the people at the tomb. Was it one angel? Was it two angels? Was it one man, two men? The Gospels don't line up, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all write something different. There's the discrepancies about who the women at the tomb were. Now, Mary Magdalene is consistent in each account, but there's various reports in the Gospels about who accompanied Mary Magdalene. And there's the discrepancy of who the lady or ladies told. Was it the disciples, all of them, or was it Peter? One might think that the discrepancies weaken the story, but actually, if you think about it, they make the story more credible. Have you ever witnessed an event that was so outside the box, so extraordinarily amazing that it was like an out-of-body experience? Yet when you compared the details of that event with other witnesses, there were discrepancies. They may have seen it differently. But what each of you remember was the main event, the main triumph, whether it was a touchdown, an amusement park ride that's indescribable, 
the beauty of a symphony performance, the birth of a child. For example, the birth of a child. Who all was in the room at the time? Uh, who was the first to receive the news of the birth of the child? And so on. But there's no mistake that the baby was born. Now, the writer of the Gospels were so awestruck as they reported about the empty tomb that in their quest to be authentic, they didn't collaborate in the editing room. They could have. They could have got together, lined up their stories so they would be exactly the same, but they didn't. The awe and wonder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ took over, and they wrote what they remembered from their account. I believe that this strengthens the story and the credibility of the life and the resurrection of Christ. Second is the women as witnesses. Any student of ancient history will understand that the women were not regarded as credible witnesses in the first century. In fact, for much of ancient history. While this is unfortunate, it goes to validate the resurrection story. For each of the four gospel writers cite women as the witnesses at the empty tomb. If they were worried about credibility, they would have inserted or swapped out the women for maybe the disciples, men, but they didn't. They chose to just tell the story as it happened. In doing so, their accounts gained more credibility as they wrote exactly what happened. Third, the lack of scripture, specifically Old Testament scripture, which of course was the scripture of the day. Throughout the Gospels, the Old Testament scriptures are integrated into the story of Christ with one exception, the resurrection. Certainly some could have been added as the resurrection of the Messiah was foretold in the Old Testament. Yet the gospel writers are strangely silent when it comes to adding a phrase like, according to the scriptures. But why is that? Again, could it be that they were so dumbfounded by the miracle of Christ rising from the dead that they bypassed protocol, maybe etiquette, in being a gospel writer and just told what happened? It's like water coming out of a fire hose. They just shared what happened. Four, the myths. The myths about what happened to the body of Christ. It's not disputed historically that the tomb was empty. The theories have to do with what happened to the body. Theories such as the one fueled by the Jewish priest of the day, which was that the disciples stole Jesus' body. Matthew 28, starting at verse 11, informs us of the plan. They go public with it in Matthew's gospel. And I quote, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. 
So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Now, other than this account, what do we know about the disciples and their mindset during this weekend? Well, what we know is that they were so scared that the people that crucified Jesus would chase them down and crucify them that they were hiding out. And remember, the most bold disciple, Peter, had just denied Jesus, denied knowing Jesus before the resurrection. How much more petrified would he have been after the resurrection? So this myth doesn't hold up clearly. Another myth is that the Roman soldiers took the body, but that's preposterous. Why would they want to stir up the Jews who had just campaigned to get Jesus crucified? They wanted this chapter in history. They wanted to move on. Quite frankly, the Romans were tired of the Jews and their riots and their, their angst against Jesus. They just wanted that in the past. It makes no sense that the Roman government would want to incite a Jewish riot. Yet another myth is that Jewish people sold Christ's body, but why would the very people that wanted Jesus to be crucified steal the body, thus knowing the absence of a body would perpetuate the very claims of Christ as the Messiah? That doesn't add up either. None of the myths make sense. In fact, they are all illogical and laughable. The most logical reason is that Jesus truly rose from the dead that a miracle occurred. Yet perhaps the greatest reason to believe Jesus rose from the dead is what we read about in John 20. I'd like to start reading at verse 11 of John chapter 20. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. As she, Mary Magdalene, saw the two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet, they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. The best proof, in my opinion, that Jesus lives is one's personal experience with the risen Christ. Mary Magdalene is distraught. She's weeping. She doesn't know where they have moved Jesus' body. Then she hears a voice. She doesn't recognize it at first, but the person speaking refers to her as woman. Mary thinks it's the gardener and that maybe he's taken Jesus' body away. 
And then suddenly the same voice calls her by name, Mary. She instantly knows it's Jesus. She turns and uses a term that up to that point had defined their relationship. She calls him teacher. The point being is that it wasn't until Jesus called Mary by name that she knew he was alive. There are the logical reasons to believe that Christ conquered death, the authenticity of the gospel writers' discrepancies, the inclusion of women as witnesses, the lack of Old Testament scriptures, the laughable myths who, as to who might have stolen the body. But the greatest reason to believe Jesus is alive is when he calls you by name. You may not hear an audible voice speaking your name like Mary did that day. But there is this deep impression and awareness that Jesus is reaching out to you in a personal way. How do you explain it? You just know. Something clicks, and you are willing to base your present and your future on the confidence that Jesus Christ is, in fact, who he said he was, and he conquered death, and he lives today. This is the experience that Craig had. Now, Craig knew all about logic, philosophy, such an intellectual man. Yet what mattered most to Craig in his defining moment of decision to be a follower of Christ was that he felt Christ reaching out to him personally, making a deep impression on his life. And he knew beyond any shadow of any doubt that Jesus Christ was alive and that he would stake his present and future and eternity on that reality. Those who believe can truly embrace what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 54 to 56. The mortal death of our dear friend and brother Craig came as a deeply sorrowful shock. The potential sting of death would have been that that was all for Craig, that his spirit was forever dead. That would be the sting of death. But thanks be to God, that that sting is gone, that death has been defeated. As Christ lives, so shall Craig live, and so shall all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ live. This, my friends, is the apex of the good news of the gospel. In closing, Mary recognized Jesus when he called her name. A man called 
Thomas doubted until he recognized Jesus by seeing the scars on Jesus's body. In time, his closest followers called disciples and a group numbering upwards of 500 recognized Jesus. But what matters to us today is have you recognized Jesus for who he is as the living hope, as the Lord and the Savior of your life? Have you recognized him? Have you recognized the one who rescues us from ourselves, the one who offers to lead our lives, the one who promises peace, though we do not understand? Have you recognized the one who died for your sins, my sins, and our shame? Have you recognized the one who conquered death so that we too will live forever? Jesus once said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe he is calling your name. I believe in this moment that there are impressions deep in your spirit that you know God is reaching out to you to be your source of strength and hope and peace and comfort. Do you recognize him from a distance? Perhaps that has been your story. You believe, but he's been somewhat of a figure removed from you. Maybe you thought, well, one day I'll come to terms with, with Jesus, but not yet. As Craig's passing is such a vivid reminder that we have no guarantee of tomorrow. If Craig were here right now physically, he would plead with you. Do not delay. Follow that impression of the spirit of the living God in your heart, in your life. Recognize Jesus as your hope, as your answer. If so, you, like Craig, will live forever. For as Jesus said, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do we pray together?